Welcome to College Soccer Nation, the premier podcast focused on NCAA collegiate soccer, featuring SMU head women's coach Chris Petroselli and Old Miss head women's coach Mad Mod. You can download and listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And if you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell your soccer friends. Now let's go to Coach Petroselli and Coach Mott. Welcome into College Soccer Nation. My name is Matt Mott. Very uh, excited for a show tonight. Let me bring in our co-host, Chris Petroselli from SMU. Chris, how are you tonight? Good, Matt. Good, Matt. I've got uh, I got a quick little story for you. You want a quick little story? Oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. You like, you like a nice story, especially I, you know when it, it makes fun of me? You like it better? Yeah, even better. Even okay. better. Yeah. So the other night, um, I'm at dinner with my wife. We're, we're at a restaurant, and, and I come out of the restaurant. She stays inside because a little chilly. I'm going to get the car. So I walk outside to the valet, and there's um, there's two ladies there, and one, I think it's mother and daughter. But mother must be 85 and daughter maybe 60. Okay. So mother's got a, you know, walker, all of that kind of stuff. And she looks at me and she says, uh, wow, I love your white hair. Ah. And I say, oh, well, thank you. I said, you know, it's funny you say that earlier today. I was looking in the mirror and I said to my wife, man, I'm, I'm getting old. I look old. Like I, I need to do something. And she goes, yeah, well, maybe, you know, and I go, I don't know. What do you think? Maybe I should dye my hair. <laughs> and she goes, let me tell you something. Your hair is the least of your problems. You got to do something. <laughs> <laughs> I believe your well, wife can help with that. Can't she with your face? I, well, I, I guess that's what she was saying. I don't yeah. know. But that it kind of insulting. <laughs> the white hair has been around for a while though. Now yeah, it's yeah. kind of your staple. Kind of it, signature, it, it, your signature it, it, move. It's my signature. It's uh, good. Well, we got a great show tonight. We got a great show tonight. We've got Radeon. His last name is. <laughs> I'm gonna go, Tanska Tanska. Tanasovich? Tanasovich? I always just call him Roddy. Tanaskovich. Tanaskovich. I don't even know him and I can pronounce the name. Come on. (laughs) Tanaskovich. He's the head goalkeeper coach for the Red Stars. Uh, Certainly that'll be fun to talk to him. We love Roddy. We've been around him a long time. He's got a really fun career and he's done a great job. And then uh, Big Power Five this week, right? It's in the oh, spirit yeah. where I, I listen for the listeners to know I had to fight with Chris on this one to, to get him to buy in to do it. But I don't we think are doing did. I did. <laughs> and we're doing the top five Christmas movies. Again, our own personal. I didn't ask for any help um, with any, any <laughs> this voters this week. So uh, top five. So that'll be fun. But um, you know, kind of soccer's kind of winding down. Had the MLS Cup over the weekend. That's yeah. over. Yeah. So now we uh, we really and the one thing that you and I talk a good deal about is college football. Correct, correct. So let's talk a little bit about college football, shall we? Well, sure. I mean, we we argue about uh, everything, mm-hmm. so this is something that we can argue about. We argued a little bit this week about um, Ohio State in the Big Ten. So yep. the Big Ten basically changed their rules and said, you know, the rule was they had to play six games in order to be in the championship and Ohio state played five. And then the big 10 went, Oh no, wait, we're only kidding. We're going to make it five. So that Ohio state can be in the, in the championship because that brings us more money when Ohio state is in the championship. So my point is that I think it's unfair. It's unfair to people like Indiana who played eight games. Um, every time you play, it's a chance to lose a game. Um, and I, I think it's um, I think it's unfair to to the whole league. 
but I think it's typical of what happens in college football. The money determines, you know, how it all works. Well, here we go. Here is here was my rebuttal to that when you got to say a lot of that. Many of those pieces I I defunct. But anyway, so that's right. Where you did what? <laughs> Darren is shaking his head in disgust. Uh, oh. Oh, God. We now so, have a title for the episode. Yes. Yeah, there you go. So um, here, here's my thing, Chris. When the Big Ten put this rule in play three months ago or four months ago. It wasn't four months ago. It was about eight ago. weeks ago. What, when okay, the five, eight weeks ago, whatever the time okay. was. All right. Things were different. No, they, they weren't were that much different. They were different. Yes, they weren't they that were. much different. You can't tell me things aren't different eight weeks ago from today. So things were different. They said, listen, we, we they hoped everybody was going to get 10 games in or eight games or whatever. So they got in five. And then, but here's my, here's my issue. Indiana is the team that's in second place. They went seven and one. Their one loss is to who? Ohio State. Ohio State. Seven points. Who's, yeah. who's five and oh. Who's five and oh. So. Right. I understand why the Big Ten would look and say, listen, they missed games because of COVID. They missed one game because of them, and then one or two games because of the other teams, Michigan backed out and whoever, right? So had they played those, they're looking at it saying, and I would say this too. This is another good argument I just thought of off the top of my head. Can't be that good then. the, the, uh, The football committee has them sitting at fourth. Well, that's, so a, that's the foot, we're going to talk about that in a second. But that's fine. We can. But, but my point, my, let me finish. My point is that they have the ability to change. My, they didn't just change it because it's Ohio State. Of they course they did. No, Shut they up. Didn't. Because it's they're five and zero. Oh. They're so five you and zero. Oh. You think if Indiana was five and zero, oh, uh huh, and Ohio State and was beaten Ohio State, you think that they would have changed the rule? I do. No way. If no. Indiana was five and zero, no and they way. would have beaten Ohio State, and they would have beaten Ohio State, you could no not way. put Ohio State no ahead of Indiana. No. You couldn't have. You could you're, because you're, the rule was the rule was you have to play six games. And here's you the were, thing: here's the thing. When you play three extra games, those are three extra games that you could lose. You might not. I agree. Yes, but you could agreed. lose. That's three more chances to lose. When you totally just agree. cancel those games and say, "Okay, we're not having those games," that's three chances. You know, but. You can't lose. You can't. Sure. Lose. No, I get that. So exactly but, but, what happened to Florida this week, right? Florida, could, yes. they should have canceled the game for they Florida. Probably should have. Probably should have. But hold on. Let's go back to this real quick. What's your number one criteria? When we talk about soccer and RPI and who's in and who's out and all that stuff, what is your always your number one criteria? Chris Petroselli's number yes. one criteria. What Given that the games are equal. It's no, 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 that is not true. Or somewhat equal or somewhat equal, Matt. We're not talking about, we're not talking about five and five and eight. That's a big difference. But hold on back to my, you haven't answered my question. What is your biggest criteria? I said head to head, head to head. They played head to head and I'm not lobbying for us because I agree with you. They should have to play more games. I do. But I, my whole point was the big 10 has the ability because things have changed in the last eight weeks when it comes to COVID, they could have never foreseen Michigan and whoever else backing out of the game. That's all my point is. They could have never foreseen that happening. uh, Maybe not to that level. Okay, they could have that? never foreseen that happen. But Meanwhile, they had the, the ability SEC, to. The SEC built in weeks for makeups. You well, that's because the SEC is much smarter than the Big Ten. That happening? SEC is clearly much smarter than the Big Ten. <laughs> but I would also say this. I would also say this. 
I agree with you about the amount of games. I do, but remember that college football committee, which is the most important committee, more important than your you and me as a committee, have them forth. So they're watching all of the games, they're watching all the teams, and they're determining based on how those teams play who's okay. the top four, and they've had them in the whole time. Let, and, and, let, and let me ask you this: Had okay. Florida won this week, all yes, right, and they they would have been what eight and one at this point, or even like even more than that, aren't they? Like nine and one or ten and one. Eight no, one? no, 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 no. Eight, yeah, nine eight and one. one. Nine, nine and one. one. Nine and one. Okay. okay. Had they won and they yeah. were nine and one, do you think it would be fair that Ohio State would be in front of Florida? If they beat Northwestern? Yeah, sure. They beat Northwestern. And Florida and Florida beats Alabama, if you're gonna say that. No, 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 no. No, no that's different, right? That's no, I'm different. talking about before before they play Northwestern. Before they play Northwestern. Before they play Northwestern, should Florida be ahead of uh of um Ohio State? If Florida had won the game. Right. If they had beaten LSU, my answer to that is no. What? They lost Florida the Texas played nine now. games. Ohio State played five. All you got to do is play games. That's Ohio all State you have to do. Ohio State, on paper, <laughs> <laughs> on paper, <laughs> look to be the better team, clearly. No, all right, we got to move on. We can go on to this. They played hour. almost twice as many games. Yeah, no, I get that. I don't, I don't, I get your point, and I don't okay. disagree with your point, but there's a lot of slaps in the Big Ten that Ohio State would have just beat up on. Do you not think that Ohio State would have won those other games? Just like we would have thought that Florida would have beat LSU, who was, yeah, two no, I agree with that. Time and and I, Florida was a 24 point favorite, right? I, I yeah, no, I agree with that. You could lose yeah, those. No. You could. No, I, I don't disagree with that. But again, my whole point at the beginning of this was Big Ten had the – I don't have a problem with them having the ability changing the rule. I don't, and you do. Okay. So there we go. It, right. it would be nicer if they were changing the rule to benefit somebody other than Ohio State. Ohio State runs the league. So would they have changed that if it would have been um, Alabama and the SEC? Oh, absolutely. Would Didn't they, they manipulate the schedule so that Alabama had an easier schedule? I, I don't know. You, 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 yeah, you know. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 all right. You know what other game was? You know what other game was? And we'll bring Brian in here in a second. But you know what other game was this week, Chris? One of my favorite games of, of all all year is what? Army-Navy. Why is that? Well, for you, it's uh, you look up to all of those guys who are do. real real military guys who went to the academy. My brothers, part, my brothers, yeah, you know, future brothers. leaders and, and yeah. things like brothers that. and sisters. Yeah, I will yeah. tell you that that as a kid growing up, you know, my dad was in the Navy and was a very big fan of the Naval Academy and did some work for the Naval Academy. So we would watch the game every year, you know, uh-huh. and cheer for Navy every year. And they didn't score, didn't score a point this year. But um, so that was, that was a big game for me growing up as well. It's just awesome. It's just awesome. And I was trying to pull up the John Gordon, you know, John Gordon, right? You know, John Gordon is, he had a great, um, a great tweet and I actually liked it. And I I don't want to, I don't want to butcher it. I remember, I remember it pretty well. Okay. Okay. What's it say? It was basically like the, they were the two teams that play against each other, but end up fighting together. 
you know, for the rest of the country or some something oh, like that. God, you butchered it. You absolutely butchered it. When you read it, that's you what it's going to say. You absolutely butchered it. You absolutely butchered it. Yeah, but by the it's time said, you, by the time you the, look it I up, it, it, I found it. it. I found it. Passed out. The, <laughs> the only game where everyone playing is willing to die for everyone watching. That's what I said. That's strong. That's not what you said at all. Not even close. But that's strong. That's that's a strong, strong yeah. statement and pretty cool. Sorry, that's an awesome game. I always always think it's cool and it was at West Point this year which was also very cool and you know the cadets were there and so anyway very very cool but I think it's only important we bring in the guy that's actually been to the game he's been able to watch the game so without further ado let's bring in uh, the big deal as we do every time every week at this time uh Brian welcome to the show Brian Lee from I never say this Brian Lee from Rice Soccer uh and also the chairman of the NSCAA uh, Women's Soccer Committee and you know, United Soccer ever. Coaches, Matt. It's been that oh, way. Oh, you're years. right. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah, United Soccer Coaches. I apologize, Brian. Uh, welcome to the show, Brian. Hello. What's up, guys? Some interesting conversation there. Yeah, what uh, What about the Army-Navy game? You went to it last year, a couple years ago. I've been to a couple of them. Um, I mix up the years now. Last time was maybe two years ago. It's an okay. awesome experience. I think it is the best sporting event um, to, to attend for every American citizen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm a big sports guy. I've, I've been to Anfield, top location to go see a soccer game. I've, uh, I've been to the masters, which is probably a close second. Yeah. Um, and I, NFL is my favorite sport to go see live and the army Navy, uh, presentation and, uh, environment in person is certainly second to none. It's just awesome watching those guys live in that environment. Can't beat it. Just so our listeners know, Anfield is the home of Liverpool football. <laughs> Some people <laughs> Actually, know that, Brian. Hey, that's right. I, was, I jinxed him, though. I was there for the Stevie G slip. Whoops. Oh, really? Yeah. Where are you? It's a shame. Oh, that's hilarious. I really was. That's fantastic. Yeah, it was awesome. Right. But not as good as the Army-Navy game. And my sister's a Naval Academy graduate, and... Um, my nephew goes to school there, and my son is looking to maybe go to Navy. And I, I do think it's the quintessential college athletic experience right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad Good to work. hear that you didn't defunct what we were saying. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know. I want to know Matt, what does, what does meant, quintessential you, mean? What does that word you mean? Meant, I have no idea. You meant debunked. I was just so fired up to get into the conversation. I was excited about it. It slipped. So, all right. And, well, all right. and yeah. tell me this before you get into this other stuff yeah. about the Ohio State thing. Yeah. The argument yeah. is has nothing to do with the Big Ten championship game other than Ohio State might win that game. And the college football playoff committee has Ohio State number four. So if right. they had Northwestern number four and Northwestern was in the same situation, what would they do? They would uh, they would do it change it for Northwestern. Okay. Yeah, they would change it for Northwestern. Now, so they'd also change it for Indiana, like I said earlier. If they were fourth, but the the circular of it all, it all go, always goes. But one of you mentioned follow the money or whatever earlier, and it's all about money. So you have the Big Ten trying to get a team in. So of course they're going to change the rules so that a Big Ten team can get in. And the people ranking the teams who are ranking a Ohio State team that's only played five games are hired by a group that's trying to make as much money as possible from the college football playoff, current and future revenue, TV deals. Yes. 
that go straight back to the conferences. So, we, I mean, we, you, you think the college football playoff doesn't want Ohio State in that game? Of course, as they well do. in that in that no, you know whether the yeah, ratings that's, that's, that Ohio that's, State brings. Yeah, but hold on. At some point, you have to give credit for the quality team that Ohio State is. It's not like we're putting in some slap team. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. Ohio State's a good team every year, and they've blown everybody out this year. So, although the money a, and the this and the that, already. blah, 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 but still, you got to give some credit to Ohio State as being a good football team. All right, Ohio State's wow. a great yeah. Is that what you want to hear? <laughs> no, I can't stand Ohio State, but, but at the end of the day, they are one of the top four teams in the country based on what the all committee right, says. Well, all right, for the Mop Boys from upstate New York, and we all love upstate New York. Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago, Syracuse was like two and eight, beat Clemson when Clemson was number one or number two in the country. That couldn't happen to Ohio State if they played five more no, games. I, I, would not, I, am not, I am not disagreeing with that point. At that point, I completely agree with the point. They should play more. But my point, my point again, which keeps falling on deaf ears, is that the Big Ten has the ability to change the rule if they want. I think they can, so that they can. Obviously, they can. They, yes, they, can. they did. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so sure. that they can get more money. Yeah, sure. Whatever the but reason, we, they still changed it. And they're yeah. the number four team in the country. Are we? Are you going to argue this until we just say, okay, Matt, you're right? <laughs> no, I'm just not. A, well, if you need to, that's fine. And let's we're not arguing that Ohio State isn't the best team either. Yes, they're the best team in the Big Ten. Yeah, Thank but that's nine. not why they changed the rule. About time. <laughs> All right, let's go. All right, uh, Brian, we got some things coming down from the NCAA here uh, in the last week or so. Now we're talking. Look, looking like immediate eligibility for uh, for transfers. Um, if they didn't play this fall. If they didn't if play they didn't, this fall. If yeah. they didn't play in a game. No, but I, but I'm also talking about. Um, we're, we're moving towards that for every sport, aren't we? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You just mean in general. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's it's got a limited effect on us because, you know, the, the we've always had the one-time transfer rule, um, except for usually in conference, unless a school objected to it, right? right. So it was a rarer occasion than it was common for the yeah, kid. But it, it always put this – it was always kind of awkward, right? Like where, where people were like, well, you could transfer here, but you can't transfer there. You know, we're, we're going to object to this. We're not going to object to that. And I think all of that stuff will be gone, right? It'll just be like, you can go basically wherever yeah. you want. Yeah. But well, but Chris, the, the, conferences can still, the, the conferences can still put in that uh, conference to conference. They can still override it and say, okay, if you transfer from SMU to Memphis, they can't play. Yeah, within the conference, right? Within the conference, yeah. But there were a lot of times where coaches were holding back or coaches were saying, well, right. you can't transfer to anybody we're going to play. For right. Example, right. Or you can't transfer anywhere in state was one that I've yeah. heard, you know. So all of that will be gone. So I think it will be easier for kids to transfer for sure. Uh, because well, and they'll never have to go through the appeals process. Right, yeah. which is probably as ugly as it could ever get, um, sure. and not a fond memory for coaches who've ever been through one. Sure. I never got to one that far along, mm-hmm. but no one speaks pleasantly about the experience. That's no. for sure. And then also, the, it looked like the, it looks like they're uh, going to prevent these mid-year enrollees from playing. So kids uh, this this spring, so kids that are maybe graduating in December. Um, you know, in, in joining universities in January, 
are not going to be able to play this uh, this spring. It looked like there might be a way to get a waiver to get to get out of that, but but it, it's pretty clear now that the NCAA is saying that's not going to happen. What seems to be the the strongest argument behind a, a waiver or or getting one of those kids eligible is showing that you planned it beforehand and that you have somebody leaving who this kid is replacing rather than playing with four and a half years. Yeah, but I, I think that, the, that they've gone very narrow with this now, and I don't even know that those are going to pass. In fact, honestly, you know, we had one that, that we were trying to get, and just before we got on here, I got a phone call saying that that one's been denied. And uh, we had players who have left, um, and this is a player that had planned, you know, she changed her graduation and changed uh, her classes and all of that starting a year ago to do this. So she had yeah. shown intent. Uh, she had documented intent from from her uh, guidance office. Uh, and I, I think we met all of those things, but but her waiver got denied, which tells me I think everybody's getting denied. Mm. Well, and if that situation there is getting denied, let's hope they all get denied. Because really one of the things we want is just a level playing field. Right. right? Whenever you, and the waiver process with the NCAA often ends without a level playing field because you can't make any rhyme or reason of why one kid got the waiver and the next kid didn't. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, and that whole process is one of the things in my, in my role as, as uh, the division one chair of the coaches, everybody thinks uh, that I've got some sort of link to the NCAA and I can magically make things like this happen. And th- this whole process with the mid-year waivers is kind of epitomized to me why we don't get a whole lot done because everybody's side of the coin is based on do you or do you not have a kid who you're trying to have play sure. this spring who's going to make your team better. And then I get calls on the other side of people in those leagues who don't have a kid coming in who are professing that this just isn't fair, doesn't make sense, this can't happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, Brian, with neither you being of, named neither of those big, I have any control of over. Will you be named the big deal, though? Isn't that something you should probably take on as a you – know, <laughs> just goes the with the territory. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Get that kind yeah, of I, without that kind I of – I think the big pressure. deal is just a reference to how I consider myself in my own mind. Yes, yeah, so um. for sure. Why we continue to use it? Uh, okay. The other the other thing that came up, Brian, uh, was I thought was quite interesting was when when uh, Coach K from Duke came out and basically said we shouldn't be playing basketball right now, and uh, so he came out and made those statements. Unfortunately, he made them after a loss, which I, I don't know that that was the best time because you know team had lost two in a row, I believe. Um, and and then the reaction to that was interesting, right? We had uh, I believe it was the coach from Alabama. Who basketball coach who came out and said, you know, basically stop whining because you lost. And then, you know, Coach K is basically the godfather of of college basketball. And then uh, his underboss, who was uh, Jim Beheim from from uh, Syracuse, came out to back Coach K and basically said, don't say anything bad about Coach K because he's the godfather. Uh, and then the guy from Alabama backed down and said, yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but the interesting thing is, you know, this, this thought of uh, should we, should we be playing or should we not be playing with all of the cancellations that have been out there. And he seemed pretty adamant to think that this, we were doing the wrong thing right now. Well, it's one of the small things that's kind of slipped through the cracks on this. There's a huge difference between playing basketball and playing indoors and playing football outdoors in terms of potential transmission of, of an airborne disease, right? 
Sure. So we are seeing way more cancellations in basketball, but the close contact is unbelievable in that sport and close contact at practice. Um, So to a certain extent, it had to be somewhat expected. But, you know, in Coach K's spot, I think you don't get into coaching if you're not super competitive. If you don't love the games, if you don't love the competition of the games, regardless of which sport you coach. And I think what we've seen through the fall and into the winter now is the teams that are winning don't seem to think it's a big problem playing with COVID. And the teams that get upset or lose a few more games think this is a really bad idea after they started it. You know, and Coach K two weeks ago had a a nice statement where he said, we've got to play basketball for the sake of the NCAA. Yes. And I think that's very, very true. And, you know, they're playing basketball to keep the NCAA in business and keep the small schools playing sports. It's not about Duke playing sports. Duke's going to play sports in the future, but they're helping the Hamptons and the UNC Greensboro's of the world because we all rely on that uh, basketball income from the NCAA. So, yeah, but when we're all this competitive, we can handle sprained ankles because everyone treats sprained ankle the same. We can't do anything about it. But when you've got different contact tracing and, um, you know, luck of the draw a little bit on, on the COVID type type things that, you know, maybe are not letting you practice at the fullest. So even though they're playing, he doesn't feel like they're prepared because they haven't practiced enough. Um, I think that spins all of the talk from the coaches when you're in the middle of these games. It's that deep down competitiveness and, and fairness about it. All right. You, you do have and to give so, credit, though, that he canceled the, canceled the rest of his – so he, he kind did. of put his money where his mouth was. He did. Right? He canceled sure. the rest of his non-conference didn't until January. Yeah. So uh, you got to give him some credit for that because I do think that's kind of backing up your words, I guess, is what I would yeah. say. And so we thought this was, this was going to be a year where uh, coaches were going to be protected by COVID. You know, maybe coaches that were, you know, on the hot seat a little bit were going to be protected by COVID, but – I think we're seeing in in college football that coaches aren't being protected by COVID Uh, and the lack of non-conference games is a, you know, hurts their record and, and it's a factor. And I'm wondering, um, you know, are we going to see that carry over in our sport? I I don't know. What do you think, Brian? Um, You know, it's a super interesting topic. You know, let's start with women's soccer and without many teams playing, we've already had six jobs turnover, six division one jobs turnover. And, Football uh, played to a high degree at F- FBS or a high number, and they've only had 10 turnover. So numerically, even without playing games, there's been a little more turnover in women's soccer. Now, the, the reasons are totally different. In football, it's about wins, losses, and money. In women's soccer and the non-revs, I do think the stress of COVID – on the coaches and the players. And I don't mean the day-to-day normal stress. I mean the, what are, are we wearing masks at practice today? Are we allowed to practice? Do I get to exercise? Am I being told I've got to sit in my dorm by myself? Uh, college kids, coach says I can't socialize in my normal ways, but kid across the hall who's in the Sigma Nu fraternity, he's doing a lot of socializing. Um, so I think there's, there's that mental anxiety for coaches and players that that uh, can turn into bad feelings on both ends and the way non-revenue sports get 
get can the quickest route to being out of a job isn't losing too many games in a row isn't having your local rival beat you five years in a row it's having your kids complain and um the environment for that and you know sometimes it's rightfully so is really ripe i think so i think that's the way it'll manifest in the non-revenue sports like us um but obviously, in, in big-time football, the boosters – and I love the argument that, oh, the boosters are paying the buyout. Okay, so the guy who gives $10 million a year, let's say $2 million a year, he's given $2 million a year for the last 20 years. Yeah. He's going to give you $2 million. He's just telling you to earmark <laughs> it toward the buyout of the football coach this year or he's going to stop giving you the $2 million. Yeah. So the idea that this is extra money doesn't entirely hold weight – they're not rounding up $21 new million to get rid of Gus Malzahn. They're redirecting their donations to get rid of Gus Malzahn and telling the school we're going to not do that, whether it's true or not. So The, the, the numbers are, are crazy, aren't they? I mean, the, what they're paying these guys and, you know, we saw with Gus, like, you know, I think he's supposed to get half of it within 30 days. So that's going to be a nice check to cash, right? <laughs> oh, it's, it, they certainly live in a different world than the soccer coaches. Yes. Do they get in a check, Chris? Is it a check they get? That's, I, don't that? I don't know. I don't so my, my, I would like to weigh in on this if I could, Coach sure Lee. Sure you can. Take my time. Please don't bring um, up Ohio State. <laughs> uh, but Gus Malzone is an interesting situation, right? He won a national championship at, at Auburn. He's been there eight years, and he's – uh, I saw a thing today, all the coaches that have turned over since Nick Saban's been the coach. Yeah. So my time at Auburn was when Tommy Tuberville was there. For, well, first it was, uh, uh, what's it, Bowden. And then Tommy Tuberville, I think it was maybe our first year, whatever. He beat Alabama six six times in a row. And Alabama turned over three coaches or whatever before they got to Saban. So it's just so interesting. But to me, it's like they're getting that kind of money then mediocre isn't good enough at those schools, right? If, you, if you're getting paid that level of money, then the mediocre results are, aren't probably good enough for what the return on the investment is. It's kind of what Brian's saying. They're giving all this money, but at, what are they, six and four or something? Like, yeah, but you could argue that he hasn't been mediocre. I mean, there, there's in, – in his time there, I was reading this, in his time there, there's only been four teams that have, that have won – the the SEC and he's one of the four, right? Yeah, but I think that the problem though, Chris, is three and five versus Alabama, three and five versus Wait LSU. A second, three and five versus Alabama is a pretty damn good record. Not if Very you're at Auburn. People are three and not five versus Alabama. Not, not if you're at Auburn. No, no I disagree. <laughs> Tommy Dover won six. All right, three against uh, was Saban there when he won six? No, but the money's there. That's my point. Like you're get you're paying Gus to beat Alabama. If he's not going to do it, then you can try and find somebody else to do it. Yeah, you saw that because, list of all the coaches that have been hired that have been tried to beat Alabama. Yeah, yes, but hold on. Gus is Gus to the Auburn faithful. Not Gus. Auburn and Alabama are on even playing grounds when it comes to the fan bases. And for many years, they have been even or, or even ahead. So I think that that's the issue. And now you're paying him $4 million or $5 million or $7 million, whatever it is. That's their expectation. Yeah, they're delusional. Oh, that, that I completely agree with, but I'm telling you, that's what happens for sure is you're not going to continue to muddle through at nine and three. Yeah. If Alabama is 12 and no, well, good you luck know? with the next guy. Cause he's going to do the same thing. Yeah. But he's getting the 21 million in the, in the rough. <laughs> is it? All right. Good. Well, Brian, appreciate your time and your insight. 
Um, obviously, your uh, you know you, your thoughts on on these things are are always interesting and and entertaining as well. <laughs> Is it well, what, That's what you're going with entertaining. I tell you I can't say fantastic. <laughs> What's going to be entertaining is sitting back and listening to Rod A talk about his career and how he got here, talk about an interesting guy. And one thing I would like to say about Rod before he gets going. Yeah. I do believe in college coaching that if you do things the right way and you're a good person who puts in the work and you've got a great work ethic, things always work out for you. And if, if you're a little dodgy on some of those things or you're trying to short circuit the work ethic, eventually it catches up to you and then you disappear. Roddy's going to be around forever if he wants to, because he's one of the best dudes, hardest working guys in, in all of uh, women's soccer in the United States. So excited to hear him. All right. Great. Absolutely. Yep. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Brian. All right. Let's bring him in. Right, Chris? Uh, Roddy. Danoskovich. Danoskovich. Roddy Danoskovich. I've got him Roddy for the, the 15 years I've known him, whatever. But anyway, right, he is currently the uh, the head of goalkeeping for the uh, Chicago Red Stars. We're certainly very happy to bring him in. Roddy, how are you doing tonight? Doing great. Doing great. Just listening Good. to this uh, football conversation and some numbers that I really don't can't get my head around, but it's pretty good. It's pretty fun. Pretty fun. Good. Well, listen, what we'd like to do, Roddy, uh, before we get into your 3v3 at ODP and, and dinners and everything else we've had, uh, let's talk about your path. Uh, I think most people don't, uh, don't, I don't know if they know your path. It's a pretty interesting one from Serbia over here. And, and, you know, for those of us that have heard the stories are fantastic, but just give us, take a couple minutes and, and walk us through, um, you know, how you started and, and how you got to this point. Yeah, just uh, first of all, I just want to thank you guys for bringing me in. I really, really appreciate it. I'm very thankful and truly, truly blessed and, you know, very, very honored to be here. So that's number one. Uh, yeah, no, this is a long path from the from the village where I came from. And just uh, I was uh, back home and, um, you know, like everybody else had a dreams to play, to be a pro player and uh, be, a, be, a, be a professional goalie one day and, you know, grew up in that in that system played back home and really at some point um at some point that that kind of those dreams and those those thoughts kind of started to kind of drill down a little bit and kind of started slowing down but I was still young and still wanted to play but back home it was very very difficult to get education and sports at the same time know that, that I you couldn't do it you could but it was kind of like just a little bit different I wanted some something different a little bit different challenge and one of my buddies was actually at University of, uh, he was at Auburn, Montgomery, uh, down there at uh, at Alabama. So um, he played uh, for NAIA school down there, and it was it was he was a really really good goalkeeper. And he said, "Hey, you need to come to over to US." And I'm like, "Geez, US? I failed English three times in high school, back to back to back." So I had to do a summer school for English. There's no way. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so he kind of got me into this idea of coming to US. Another buddy came here some work and study, and he saw this college soccer thing, right? And um, one way or the other, I ended up at uh, University of now. It's called University of North Georgia. Back in the day, it was like North Georgia College and State University. So Division II school ended up there. 
got coached by Pat Paris and uh, he brought me over and I had a wonderful, wonderful four years. However, throughout my career, I, you know, there was three things, kind of big three things that I never did. It was like, you know, I'll never do, I'll never date American. I will never marry American and I will never stay in U.S. And there I am right now. So all three bang, bang, bang. So, um, and then, you know, um, uh, just, I mean, college soccer was something that was like really like even high school soccer was really intriguing to me. So um kind of tried to apply for jobs, applied for about, I think like at one point I applied for 47 jobs at one point, like trying to get the job and I just couldn't get the job. So one way or the other, it's a long story, but ended up down, the, uh, coached at Emmanuel College as a volunteer, went to uh coached at Habersham Central High School as a, as a, as a volunteer and spent some time there on the men's side. And then one way or the other ended up at Columbus State University with Jason Enlick at uh, Columbus, Georgia. And just uh, that's kind of where really uh, a lot of it changed for me. And, you know, like uh, lots of relationships, lots of knowledge, kind of just kind of trying to steal a lots of small things here and there. And after that went to University of Louisville, after that went to University of Iowa and, here I am right now with Chicago and um, helping out a little bit in Eclipse Select here and just working out pretty decent. Yeah, uh, it has worked out well for you, um, yeah. but but well deserved. Again, I think Brian Brian hit, hit it on the head. Is you know your your work ethic is a big a big part of who you are and and it's gotten to where you are. But um, I'm interested in this. Uh, uh, Serbia and growing up in Serbia, right? I mean, there's uh, very few people who who are listening, to, who will listen to this, who will have any idea what it was like growing up in Serbia. Yeah. So give me yeah. a little bit of an idea of, of what that was all about. And don't yeah. forget the, the eggs and tomatoes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Just uh, lots of good stories. I mean, I, I don't know where to start, where it would end, but like, you know, it was, um, I, I, you know, we did went through a lot, uh, just you know, country itself. I, I was, I, I don't have a problem. I'm born, I was born in 1985. So right before and right at the beginning of the end of the old Yugoslavia in a big country. And, you know, like I was, I was very little, I, I don't remember a lot, but, um, you know, I, I do know, I do know, I, I remember that was lots of hard times and lots of, um, lots of hardships and, you know, wars, one war, second war, like kind of like a couple of small civil wars around that, you know, um, everything was, I mean, we say like nothing was in Serbia. It was like a little bit more Bosnia and Croatia, unfortunately, for those people there. And, you know, one way or the other, it was just a mess, like just a complete mess. But I got to be honest, like maybe we did not have a lot and we didn't know I lived in a village um, like it was, a, I had a wonderful childhood. I had an absolutely wonderful, uh, growing up experience. My parents were great parents. We never, uh, maybe we lacked a lot, but we never felt like we were lacking a lot. And, uh, you know, it was just, uh, eggs and tomatoes is just a story where, you know, like we, I mean, my favorite meal of the day is just <laughs> eggs and tomatoes, you know, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, we could eat that. There was lots of chicken. There was lots of eggs and there was a garden. There was a lot of tomatoes and, I love eggs and tomatoes, you know, that's just a, and that was like, you know, that was just a normal meal for us. And now looking back, is like, it's like a peasant meal. Like, you know, there's nothing to it just, uh, but th that's, that's how we grew up and never thought of it. Maybe we got one pair of shoes a year, you know, like I remember the days when going to Belgrade, it was, I lived in a village that was about hour and 30, 40 minutes from Belgrade. That's capital of Serbia. And, um, 
And, uh, you know, my, our parents would take us once a year to buy shoes. And that was a big day. That was just a big, like a Disneyland type of day, you know? And, but it was no, it was like, I mean, when we buy a cleats, holy moly, like it was unbelievable. That was a day that you never, I always has to wear my, some old cleats from my cousin or someone like that, that was two, two sizes bigger or gloves that were passed on from the pro goalkeeper in a, in a, in a, in a, in a city like local local club and stuff like that so just uh but it, it was just unbelievable experience in growing up and then when you get to a certain age of 12 13 14 and and you maybe get get lucky to picked up get picked up by academy and start playing playing some kind of academy football and academy soccer at the time like it was it was it was like you already kind of made it somewhere and and you know like getting out of the village and just doing a little bit more and that was whole another experience where you, I lived in Belgrade, for example, downtown Belgrade with the six people in a room and it was six of us in a room and bunk beds. And, you know, like it was, I was by myself. I asked my parents a lot, like, how could you do it? Like how I was 14 years old uh, living by myself in downtown Belgrade. It will be just relevant of living downtown Atlanta or downtown Chicago. Uh, and I, I just asked my parents all the time, how could you do it? Because I, if I have a kid tomorrow, I don't know if I'll be able to do it. I just don't know if I'll be able to let him let him go and do it on their own. So, but yeah, it was an absolutely wonderful childhood. A lots of fun memories, a lots of good times. So, yeah. Roddy, uh, let's go back to a very important piece about this. So, um, you talked about the eggs and tomatoes, but we all went to a meal in Chicago <laughs> with you at a Serbia restaurant. I don't think there was a one egg or a tomato, but there I don't was think there fantastic. Was. There was a tomatoes. There was tomatoes. Was tomatoes. And salad, salad, salad was tomatoes. But you didn't look at that. There was, no, didn't get there. no, no. We had <laughs> sausage and meat that and chicken. And it was fantastic. <laughs> a fantastic meal that Roddy had. What was it? Eight or ten of us at yeah. convention. We all went up there. Brian was with us. Uh, what a wonderful meal that was of all Serbian food in the uh, I want to go to Serbia just for the food. It was it was fantastic, <laughs> but it certainly wasn't eggs and tomatoes. But hey, so, um, let's you talk can maybe, about wait, wait. You can maybe add it on your list of like you know when I hear whenever you travel, people whenever people travel, they call you. Yeah, for like information. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So I maybe you can add it. You know, uh, if you're going to Chicago, you got to go to that restaurant. Now I did worry that. At any point, they were going to take out machine guns. It was a little scary. (laughs) It was a little scary, but the food was absolutely fantastic. All right, let's go into this, Jay, or um, uh, Roddy, about um, Jay, like you mentioned him earlier. And and, uh, Jay is, you know, is is really well known as a developing of coaches and and players and is a high level. But talk to us about that experience down at Columbus. I know that was kind of your first a real big college job and did a great job. And that guy sets you up and Jay's done that with a number of, of guys, but you know, talk about that, please. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, it, it was just, I mean, I got absolutely just, just lucky. I mean, just lucky to first of all, get, I mean, get an interview or opportunity to be down there. And, you know, and it was again, like everything else and a lot of things in, 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 in just in coaching, but I think in life, you know, relationships are huge, massive part of the, uh, part of the business, whatever you do. So, you know, went through some kind of relationship that I knew somebody that knew Jay and, you know, Jay needed a, a goalkeeper coach, assistant coach at the time. And he said, Hey, I knew this guy and he's just going to work hard. He doesn't have nothing behind it. And, but he's going to work hard. And at the time, like I remember my wife had a job at, at really, really good school. And 
she gave up that job that, for us to go down to Columbus and for us to pretty much make nothing out of it, like make no money out of it, like 15, 20 grand. And, you know, it was kind of leap of faith for me to get, but people did tell me multiple people or whoever I talked to that, Hey, if you go to Columbus, you're going to learn a lot. And that's why I was young. I was excited. I didn't, I didn't really care. There was nothing to do with the money really. And it was nothing. It was just, I was really excited to learn and grow and, and get better. And, you go down there and there's this guy that just like, you know, um, he was really, really open-minded. He was really, really open-minded about anything that you do. And um, there's just a lot of small things that led to other things that, you know, Jay would, Jay would let you coach. And then after that, he would sit down with you and have a conversation about your coaching and have a conversation about how you prepare the session and how, for example, just one example is like you go down there and you help out in the fall and you do whatever it takes. And, you know, like you do your recruiting and you do your scouting and you do your games and you win the games and it's all good and well. But then in the spring, he said, he says, Hey, I am, I am out. I am, uh, I'm your assistant coach. What do you need me to do? And you sit there and you're like, uh, poof, I didn't think about that. So, <laughs> so uh, pretty much a whole spring season, I was there for two and a half, three years. And every spring I get to be a head coach and he's assistant. So he actually does everything what every assistant would do. And, but then at the end, at the beginning, at the end, you have this conversation about how is your, what are you planning to do for training? Okay, no problem. He lets you fail. He lets you succeed. And then you have a conversation afterwards and, it is really, really uh, open-ended approach. And one thing from him that really, he, he was really open about me going. And that's, I mean, that's how I got to know you guys, to be honest, like doing different things, right? Like you got to go, go do this and you got to go do this and you got to try to do this, go do the ODP, go do the state ODP, go do the region ODP, go do something that, that you will see some other people coach and that you will coach more and you'll learn more. And Hey, listen, what about if you organize some camp, like just go organize your own camp, uh, do whatever. I will be here. I'll help you. I will help you run it. I'll help you organize it. And then we will talk at the end. How did you do? So it's just a really, really process oriented guy that really, it was just for me, it was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. He let me do, uh, I mean, from cutting grass to uh, to running team training, to running games, to coaching the team, to recruiting, and I learned I learned a ton. And on top of that, you know, he he was always always mindful of his way of communicating with people and and you know seeing different ways and just kind of saying, hey, that that's right, that's your way, and that's fine. And how how about this? And just just being just to learn, teach me a lot about being open minded and just kind of growing myself as a coach. Very good. I think he's 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 known as a guy that um, has produced a number of good coaches, and clearly, I can you can see his impact on on you and and in your coaching as as you've moved along. And you know, now you move along and you're 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 in Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> um, you're, yeah. you're coaching a listener who may be the best goalkeeper in the world at this point. Um, certainly, uh, if she's not the best, she's in you know, in the group of, uh, of players that are talked about. Um, so what's it like training a player like that? Cause that's different. And very few people get the opportunity to train players at that level. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is, uh, I mean, it is, a. Uh, 
it is a it's a really really good and i mean it's never bad but it's it's really really good and it's really really challenging at the same time you know it's not um uh, one thing that I, i'll mention again that relationships right i think coming into chicago and just for me like you know coming in to work with rory and, and the staff and and to work with these players like Uh, if you come in and you come in and say, hey, this is how we're going to do things and this is what I think and this is how I do things and this is how you're going to shut get shut down pretty fast. So he will be he will be shut down really, really fast. So one thing that that I felt like uh, it was it kind of helped me a ton is just a developing a relationship and understanding what certain player Um, and this, in this case, Alyssa really needs and, and where she is at her career. And I, whenever I came to Chicago, I was 33 years old and she was uh, just a few years younger than me, but with way, way more experience in this, this level of the game than me. So, um, you know, for me, it was more like, I always say, like I, I, I did a, I, I did a lot of listening. I did a lot of, um, uh, learning and I did a lot of, kind of feeling it, right? Just kind of trying to, to put it a little bit here and there. And um, Alyssa was uh, was a one, it's a great person to work with. And she was really, really opened, open-minded to uh, to my coaching in the way that um, I do things. But we also did a great job of just collaborating and talking to each other and, and just kind of, hey, what is it working for you? What does it need to be better? This is what I think. This is what I think and kind of, coming up with the solution solution uh, solution for it together and I think it, it worked out pretty well so far absolutely so so just along those kind of lines so again you work you work obviously as uh, with the first team you know with the Chicago Stars, but you also yeah. work uh, with Eclipse yes right? and the, and the yes. youth players so yes. yes how mentally are you able to handle that Roddy from going what is the youngest age group you have? And then yeah. walk us through, you go them, and then you go into the, the reserve team, and then you go all the way up to, to working with Alyssa. Yeah. So yeah. How, how are you able to manage that? How are you able to plan sessions? Do you try out things with the younger guys and then absolutely, bring them up yeah. the ladder? Like, talk talk yeah. to us through that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I First of all, I love what I do. I'm really, really, I mean, you guys know me pretty well, but I, I love what I do. I, I work up, down, I mean, down to, like, whatever you want to call it, but – I work as young as, as probably kids who are under 11 years old to, you know, the first team. So, and there will be a day, there will be a day in the summer where I have reserve team training in the morning, then a first team training in the early afternoon. Then I have like from five till 10 at night, like, you know, younger kids going on and, you know, anywhere from 11 years old to 17, 18, 19 years old. So, um, Yeah, no, it's a lot of trial and error, right? Like, uh, you know, the the thing is, like, with with the younger younger guys, is just like younger guys and girls is just, uh, you know, they they are at certain level and they are who they are, and they all of all of us need development, not just not just them, not just, but I need development as well, and I use really that time to, you know, experiment, like you said, experiment some things, try some new things, be open minded, teach them to be open minded. Uh, you know, and different different styles of goalkeeping, different ways of solving things. Hey, there, there's never there's never ever one solution. You know, the the biggest thing is just to keep the ball out of that thing behind you. So that's number one priority. How we do it, and you know, there's different ways to to uh, there's different ways to 
uh, skin the fish, you know, like there's different ways to skin the cat. How's that called? I don't even know, but like, you know, like there's different ways to do things. And, and yeah. the main thing is that, you know, like that's, that's important from the get go. So with the younger guys, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, um, uh, different kind of work. And then, you know, whenever we come to, to like teaching them to be, I'm not saying teaching them to be a pros, but teaching them to, to love the game, teaching them to love the position, teaching them to, to take on, there will be ups and downs in the game and there will be ups and downs in a, in a, in a, in a, in a position. And that's, that's what position takes with it. Goalkeeping is really, you know, it coach Matt, it's really up and down and you know, it is what it is. And uh, teaching those young kids with that to, to deal with that. And then, you know, as we go to the, for example, with the reserve team, you know, there's a lot of co- younger college kids who, who want to be a pros, you know, and Hey, this is, this is what does it mean to be a pro. And these are some things that you have to do in order to be a pro. And then, you know, coming in with the first team is I'm, I'm, I'm really, really grateful and truly blessed. And for me, uh, that, that, that time with, with the first team and, and working with those players is just a, just a really, really, um, I'm, I'm really, really blessed to be there. I'm, I'm very, very thankful. And just working to working with the best of the best is just a, you know, another caveat on top. It's just, let me ask you this, Friday. So you said you, you train the reserves sometimes in the summer reserves in the morning, then the protein and then the full team in the afternoon. Yeah. And then from five to 10, how does your leg now fall off from serving balls? Uh, just you go left foot, right it, yeah. foot, or are you no. just, you just, you just left roll? foot, right foot, managing it? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah I, like when I was younger, I did way more, but like serving. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's all about creating sessions, the as a designing sessions. I on the off season, I do try to work out a lot. So yeah, yeah. You How know, many steps like getting I, in a day? That's my biggest question. Uh, 20, 25,000? <laughs> yeah, I would think yeah, so. Yeah, so you know, like on so. a good day, but but yeah. I also think like you know, and and this is more for. You know, younger guys that are listening to shows, you guys are all wolves, you guys are skinned it already, you know what are you doing? But you know, I, I do think that yes, I, I am I do I do have this work ethic and, and I do think that's that's something that it really, really stands out for me personally. But at the same time I do think that I do a decent job in a uh uh I do a decent job because last year I ran about three hundred and eighty sessions just in a year, you know, like what youth, what, what first team, what reserve team. So in those 380 sessions, I had a 380 opportunities to get better, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I like, I'm not saying I exactly know, but I kind of have a little bit feeling of what will work and when will work, you know, because of the, I failed, I failed miserably a lot of times and I made a lot of mistakes and, you know, I still, I still make a lot of mistakes. It's not, I'm not out, out of the doghouse yet, but like, you know, and I don't think you ever be like, you just got to learn it, learn all the time. But I'm with that number of session, I think comes with some certain experience that really is really, really helping. And that's one thing that came from Jay and Lick as well is like, Hey, you've got to go and do whatever you can, you can do whatever you can. doesn't matter the money. doesn't matter that you just got to get that experience to, so one day, whenever you step in and you need to deliver, that you can deliver, whatever that is, whatever that is. Yeah. You know, uh, Matt, uh, if you remember, Roddy and I uh, coached together. We had the, I think it was the under-19 national team, and we were in a, uh, a little international tournament down in Florida. <laughs> and you talk about Roddy shooting and serving and 
There were a lot of balls that ended up in that alligator pit behind the goal. <laughs> there was a, what was the guy? Jibril Jibril was jumping off the fence like he pulled a hamstring, <laughs> jumping off the fence with an alligator pit. Yeah, yeah. no, you're right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Hey, no. tell me about um, as you as you've been in the league now um, in the professional league. What's the overall level of goalkeeping like in the league? Yeah. It's scary good. It's really good. Yes, and that 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 is, it is hard because like you know there is, we're a lot of us are talking, but like league is getting older, you know, in terms of like league is now six, seven years, eight years, and I don't know, nine years old, and like, uh, I I do think it's harder and harder for young young players to break through. And I, I do think it's especially hard for young goalkeeper to break it through because some goalkeeper who came in the league when league was really young, when it was, you know, like six, seven, eight years ago, young goalkeepers were 23, 24, but those goalkeepers are in the thirties now, you know, and, uh, and those goalkeepers are really good and they're not giving up that easy, you know? So uh, I do think it's, it's a really, really difficult league for goalkeeping, especially for young goalkeepers to jump in and play right off the bat because there is only, you know, now it will be 10 teams next year. It will be 11 team teams. And, you know, it, it might, it will grow, it will grow. And as teams go grow, like it's not that it's just one goalkeeper, right? If there is team shows up, there's, that's a, probably three goalkeepers right away. Or, you know, if two teams show up, there's six goalkeepers right away, six goalkeeping spots available right away. So, um, I do think that from that standpoint, it's, um, it's awesome because there will be more, openings for goalkeeping spots but at the same time it's just it's a really really hard because ladies like Alyssa Nair, Ashley Harris like um you know Aubrey Bledsoe like those uh Jane Campbell like Casey Murphy like you know all the goalkeepers I mean they're go- doing a really 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 good Kaylin Sheridan like every team in the league has one two even sometimes three goalkeepers that that can easily play in any team in any team and it's it's really, really good in a good spot right now. I think, um, you know, and, and I, that's where I also think the youth goalkeepers, it, it, that's where we're kind of seeing that little bit gap between the college and, and the pros is like, because they don't get, get the opportunity right away. And, you know, maybe they stuck around for a year or two or three. And if they don't go to Europe, they just kind of give it up, you know, and, and, and that's a hard spot, you know, we got to do and figure it out a better job of, how we can develop some little bit more reserve league or something a little bit more where those goalkeepers are just getting games, you know, or simply goalkeepers going to Europe, getting some games and then coming back. And some of them did that too and worked out pretty well, you know. All right, Roddy, I got one last question for me. Probably the toughest question of the night, actually. Um, we all have a, a great amount of respect for your boss, right? Rory's been in it forever and, and uh, you know, super successful youth coach and now doing a, a very good job of the Red Star. So give us a little insight of what it's like working working for the man in Rory. Yeah. No, it's it's a great – it's uh, – it is uh, – Red Star has an organization. I think it's a, it's a really, really established organization in the NWSL. And, you know, I mean, definitely Arnhem and who, who owns the team and, and Rory, they, they – Rory's kind of, you know, a head coach slash a GM, even if he doesn't doesn't have a GM title. And I do think they build it from scratch and, you know, done a great job from top to bottom. And, you know, it, it is a, it is a very, very uh, demanding environment, I think, from top to bottom. I think that 
Um, you know, they, they ask a lot of you, but at the same time, you know, we do, uh, we do produce, uh, you know, players produce, I think staff produces and it, it is, uh, Rory is, um, uh, very good in managing players. I think he is a uh, very, very good when it comes to managing the players in terms of like this, you know, like Juliards is a listeners and, uh, he's a really, really good in understanding the game and what those players need to be successful. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate that, you know, like I get to work with him and, you know, we do have, he respects, uh, you know, as much as he can, probably he respects my, my, uh, my uh, area of expertise. And even if, uh, he said her, his daughter will never be a goalie, but, uh, <laughs> you know, he still respects the work that I do. I respect the work he, he does. And, you know, it, it, there is a lot of mutual respect and, uh, you know, I'm thankful to be on his staff for sure. Awesome. And we have the, uh, the draft coming up, right? So yeah, college soccer yeah. nation and a lot of yeah. college soccer players, you know, going into the draft, uh, Jeez, yeah. your sense of the draft and, and what it's like. Yeah. I mean, you guys talk about how hard it is to like, you know, do you play season? You don't play season. There is a seed. There's no season training. What is it? Just the games. Well, you know, there is lots of moving pieces as much as you guys hard for you guys. It's hard for, for us because right now it's like, you're looking this draft and, you know, draft is coming up, but there is a spring season, right? There's a, some kind of waiver being like proposed. There's some proposal that players can stay an extra six months, right. To finish right. up the, Mm-hmm, the season. Uh, do you guys know where that is? Is it going through? Is it? It, it hasn't been uh, hasn't been decided yet. It, it may be it may be on on the docket next week at the council meeting. Yeah. yeah. So we, we're making this draft list, but it, 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 like we just don't know who is in a draft and who's not in a draft. And you know, like players can sign up, but you know, uh, what from what I hear is that a lot of players are actually going to go back and do another five or six, uh, another last, like one more season. So spring season, mm-hmm. right. They're going to go do, but then how about seniors? They're going to stay for another, for another, for another fall. Right. Mm-hmm. So like uh, here is, I was talking to somebody today is like, you, you know, there's not going to be many players on the draft list, you know, like, like I, I, I just cannot even guess right now what's going to happen. But at the same time, like think about like, how about if a player doesn't enter the draft this year, they, they're attempting to enter the next year. And for example, if you are this year, you could be a third round pick uh, in a, in a very limited small number draft, you enter the next year draft that's going to be loaded with a lot more players sure. from both years now. So instead of being picked up in a second or third round, you will get picked up in a fourth or maybe not picked up at all. So yeah. like, Oh, I mean, there is a risk, risk and a reward on the both sides, you know? And I mean, this COVID situation doesn't make it easy for anybody or, uh, you know, I think, I do think it's a very, very difficult for, for everybody to navigate. I do think it will be very interesting coming in draft time to see who is in, who is out, uh, what the list is looking like and what is there to, you know, like, I mean, simply just a pick, you know, right. Is it like, you know, it will be, it will be very, very interesting. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm excited about it for sure. Awesome. Hey, I got one story, Chris, about Rodney. I got to tell sure. two, two stories. Sorry. One, um, I'd be hard pressed to not mention 
you and BB trying to run a three v three tournament ODP. The disaster. That was, that 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 was, was not nothing. No, the worst no. ever disaster. Worst no, ever. no, no, no. I got that is nothing to do with me. I was just a. I I passed it on my like everything on BB and he screwed uh, it up. Like yeah. he really big big fail. I fired him after that. The other part about Roddy, you know, uh, Brian talked about his work rate and, and Chris and we both know how hard Roddy works, but I'm going to give the, the listeners an example. So we're down in ODP down in Boca Raton. <laughs> um, he was assigned to, to my team as the goalkeeper coach with, I think it was me and James Armstrong actually were the coaches. <laughs> and, um, you know, so we go, you know how it is, Chris, it's hot down there. You're, you're, you actually kill us with how much work you make us do and everything you make us do. <laughs> so we're out of the fields. We play our game. We come back. We're tired. It's hot. You know, everybody wants to, we're hungry. Everybody wants us to get down. We, I'm pretty sure we won the game because my team's always won. But yeah. anyway, yeah. we, you know, we played like region four, we beat them. We come back, they got the tape and, and they go to hand James and I the tape. So we can go in and break it down. Cause again, Chris made us break down all the films of all the games and yeah. the teams. And Roddy, yeah. Roddy, who does a couple teams down there says, coach, coach Matt, I'll, I'll take the tape. I'll cut the film for you. He I did. said, no, Roddy, you don't have to do that. He goes, no, no, no. I want to do that, Matt. I want to do that, Matt. I will I will do the film for you. So that just shows you above yeah, and beyond. Good. Didn't have to do it. It's something James and I could have done, but said James and I went and had a, a nice dinner, I'm sure, and enjoyed uh-huh. ourselves. So Roddy's back in the hotel busting his butt. So that's but just the kind of guy he is. Yeah, is typical Roddy. Right. That's right. That's right. Well, Roddy, thanks for coming on College Soccer Nation. We really appreciate nice. your insight. It's really interesting. Um, you have quite a path, and, and certainly you're not done. So um, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it for sure. Truly honored. Thank you so much, guys, and uh, look forward to listening future episodes as well. All right, Roddy. Merry <laughs> Christmas to you and Merry your Christmas. American wife. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's right. In your American city, Thank Chicago. You. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right, Thank man. You. See Bye-bye. ya. Uh, Chris, I'm pretty sure he called us Top Wolves. I kind of like that. I, I kind of like that. He also said something about skinning a fish or something like yeah, that. Yeah, skinning the fish, but then he said that you two are Top Wolves. I don't mind being called a wolf. That's, that seems pretty impressive. All right. All, All right, right, let's move it on. All right. What are we looking? What are we looking forward to in the next week? I want to ask you something in this segment here. Yes. Okay? Mm-hmm. Last week you said you were looking forward to Christmas shopping. Yes. Okay? Mm-hmm. And when I talked to you this week, here are the things that you told me about. Right. You had a little yeah. party for or a little lunch for the male yeah. members of your staff. Right. Then yeah. you had a Christmas party. So you had a lot of a lot of party kind of things going on. You spent yeah. a couple of days shopping for yes. a car for you. I did, right. yeah. For a truck yeah. for yeah. you, truck. right? Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. But you never said anything about Christmas shopping. Did you do any Christmas shopping? <laughs> I got my little elves on it. Got my little elves on it. You know, okay. I got so my little ready. elves around. And oh, I, no, I'm, we're ready to roll. I, I got okay. good stuff. I got to get right now. I got a couple more elves coming to rap. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's good. I, they don't want, she does not want me to rap. My wife does not want yeah, me to bet. rap. So, yeah. I bet. Um, all right, good. Let's, uh, let's go. It's Christmas mo- movie time. I'm excited about this yes. one. I feel like I... For once, I feel very confident about my list. You, you say know, that sometimes, every I'm going, <laughs> I, sometimes I go in a little concerned, but this one I've done really well this time. I think, and you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of Christmas movies, Chris. A lot of Christmas movies. It really is. So that makes it difficult. But all right, we uh, who's I went first last week. You want to go first this week? You want me to go first? Uh, I'll go. I don't care. I, I'll go first. All right, yeah. you go first. Hit me. All right, number five right. for Chris. Chris, yeah. oh, let's let's clarify. Christmas movies. That's the only clarification. No, just Christmas movies. Yes. Our own personal top five. Yes. All right, let's do now, it. You didn't get any help from anybody from. No, no help, no help, no help. All right, number five. 
You ready? Here comes my yeah. zinger. You ready for the zinger? The zinger. Oh, I love a nice zinger. There it comes. Yeah. Batman Returns. What? How is that a Christmas movie? Well, first of all, let, let me let me take you through it. I knew I was going to have to explain. It is that, I mean, totally I don't really around cl- around Christmas. Let me go. Let, let me go. Okay. All right. Let me, let me explain it to you. Michael Keaton right. as Batman. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Danny DeVito as a penguin. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you're, you're none of this says Christmas. None right. of this says Christmas yet. Christopher Walken as the Santa Claus of Gotham. And they have the whole scene in the in what's supposed to be like Times Square, Rockefeller Center, all of that kind of stuff. I mean, it's a it's a Christmas movie. That is a stretch if I've ever seen it. That is a stretch and a terrible choice. So you're saying I mean, a, a, a Christ, a movie that has is filmed around Christmas time is not a Christmas movie? I'm not saying that. I'm oh. saying that doesn't seem like a Christmas movie to me, Batman. Okay. All right. Okay. Batman. I mean, it's not Batman and Save it is Christmas. A, the Batman spirit. series is fantastic. The, sure. I, 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 eh. There's better ones. There's better ones. I, I, but I did like, I thought Michael Keaton was the best Batman, but still terrible. Come on. Right, my my number five. Go ahead. My, Go ahead. Danny I'm not a big fan of him. Overrated. All right. Um, I'm going a little different, Chris. Yeah. I'm going from the heart here. How about a little Rudolph slash Frosty? The snowman. Both. <laughs> Wait, Rudolph slash Frosty? Like you can't yeah, both. both. You got to get both. Yeah, one or the both. other. No, the cartoons are really good. You watch them both for sure. No, yeah, I like you, them both. You, you, you yes. lose credit because you. All right, fine. All right, fine. I'll just go Rudolph then. Just Rudolph. Saves it's, Christmas. It's a great it's okay. one. Yeah, it's okay. Okay. All right. Number four for you. It's the Grinch with Jim Carrey as the Grinch. Oh, that was awful. That was great. Absolutely awful movie. That was a you you are you throwing this this week? Are you throwing <laughs> it just to give me what a this wait, is this your Christmas present to me? That's what it is, isn't it? You decided I'm gonna give Matt a Christmas present and you have the worst pop, top five Jim Christmas Carrey movies ever. I thought that was that awful. Was funny. <laughs> awful movie. All right, my number my number uh four. A little different again, a little different. Mm-hmm. It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, come on. Watch it every Christmas Eve. It's so overrated. So over. You've got to be kidding me. Come on. It is a I great, mean, great movie. First of all, have you really seen it? Like, it, it, what movie? I watch it like, every Christmas Eve. What? I'm wrapping presents. Seven or something? I, I know. It's on every Christmas Eve. It's fantastic. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. All right. Number three for you Elf. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I didn't love it. I liked it. Come I on. Love it. I didn't love it. You, you got all these little, I don't know. It's it's a bit much. Parts of it was it's funny, but it's a bit much. Yeah, it's a bit much. He's sitting on the table. It's a bit, yeah, it's great. And uh, little, the syrup, you know. And, yeah, it's good. It's <laughs> terrible. All right, my number three, Home Alone 2. New York City. Yeah. In Christmas time. It's great, great movie. Home Alone 1 was better, though. Home no, Alone, no, I disagree. First one was uh, so Home Alone 2. Not one. so much better. It was good, but I, and they're both good. But I like Home Alone no, no. It's New York City, Rockefeller Center, the, the Christmas tree. No, no, the lady with the the bird poop on her shoulders, and him in the in the church here in the choir. Daniel great, Stern great getting movie. hit in the face with bricks is maybe the best Christmas yeah. scene ever. Christmas. There you go. Oh, Darren. All right, all right, Chris. Number two. Number two, an absolute classic, Charlie Brown Christmas. <laughs> 
Don't argue with that one, isn't yeah, it? Right? Everybody fine. knows that, about the Charlie Brown yeah, Christmas tree. You, you're taking you're taking the the whatever out of me over Rudolph, and you went with Charlie Brown Christmas. Rudolph's better than Rudolph. No chance. No chance. All right, number two for me. Yeah. Exterior illumination, Christmas vacation. Well, Matt, that was my number one. <laughs> see, that means I have a better number one. Yeah, well, Christmas maybe. vacation, Chevy Let's Chase. See. Let's Chevy see. Chase. Let's All right, see. so so wait, that's your number one, Christmas vacation. That's my, yeah. my number one, without question, great Christmas movie, Die Hard. Wait, what? Die Hard. Oh, Darren, how is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Wait, wait, what, what classifies Die Hard as a Christmas movie? It takes place on Christmas Eve, number one. So the number same two, thing that I was talking about, Batman. Number two, the wife's name's Holly. There's Christmas music <laughs> playing. There's Christmas music playing during the whole show. Yeah, but you can't, you cannot, you cannot say that Die Hard is a Christmas movie and then say Batman Returns isn't a Christmas movie. You can't do I it. I can. I can. I did it. I did the same that. rationale. Not really, though. Batman. I don't. And look, this I didn't, argument. I didn't feel like this yes. argument about whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not a Christmas movie. People always ask and all that. I got to yeah. be honest with you. I don't really care. Like, I know you say that. You don't. Okay. Yeah. When you know when you're losing, when you're losing, that's you, you go with the I don't care. The, the fact that every okay. the, the fact that every year they bring it up is it a Christmas movie means it must be a Christmas movie. It there can you be if you want well, the, it to be. The, 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 the writer fine. says it's a Christmas movie. The, the movie's right. fine, but it's not a the great movie. Whoa, 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 whoa. No. It's a fantastic movie. No, it's not. You don't. You didn't like Die Hard? I didn't say I didn't like it. I said it's fine. I said it's fine. <laughs> I hate the word fine. Ask my staff. I hate the word fine. Fine tells me fine. nothing. What does fine mean? It's fine. Fine mean good. Fine mean bad. It's stupid. I hate that word. We should take that word out. Of all the words out there, take out fine. I don't know uh, we'll, see, we'll see what people have to say. About yeah, it. we'll see. I, I really think that was a Christmas gift you gave me. <laughs> Yours are awful. Awful. All right, we got to wrap this thing up. Let's keep moving. Um, all right. Uh, Coach's cliche this week. What do you got? You ready? Yep. I hate this one. We're going to take this one game at a time. Of course you are. Oh, you only no, play one game at a time. Wait what? a second. To me, that cliche. one makes the most sense out of it, out of all it of it. It makes sense, but it's a cliche. Everybody says it all the time. Yeah, I get what I get the point, but I'm like, oh yeah, we well, get it's one game. Sense. That's only Not like, but no, all of the athletes say it all the time because they they aren't willing to say anything else that's important or interesting. No. Yes, Chris. it's a it's a very important topic in sports psych, man. Of taking it one day at a time. No, I, no, I agree. Time. That's how you're you know, supposed one to play do it. at a time. And yes, hundred percent agree with all of that. It's just, it's just overdone. It's overdone. Hey, let's do this before we go out. Let's uh, give the listeners a, a, an exciting part next week. Our Christmas oh, yeah. special, right, Christmas Chris? Special. Christmas Tell them what we're doing on our Christmas special. Well, we're going to bring the families in, so the yes. wives, the wives will get to do the Power Five next week. That's right. Um, That's and right. I got to tell you that my wife already has 10 to choose from. <laughs> okay. And go ahead and tell them what the topic will be. The topic is what are the five things that Chris and I annoy our wives most about? My wife can't come up with five. She's struggling okay. to get to five. I, Yours I, has I, 10. What a surprise. Hard to believe, but my wife read me 10 the other day. Yesterday, yeah. Yes. She read me her list of 10 that she's got to narrow down. And I think she added another one today. So. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think Jen will have any issue coming up with five. Yeah. Uh, but no, we're going to bring them on. Another Christmas, Christmas, um, you know, Christmas show. We want to bring Christmas show. That should be, show fun. That should be yes. fun. 
All right. Well, listen, thanks again, Rod. It was great. I like he called me a wolf. I take that as, as very, I'm proud of that. Yeah, let me um, just I thought say, he was, Rod, yeah. just a fantastic guy. I mean, one of the nicest mm-hmm. guys you'll, you'll ever meet. And, and as we said, one of the hardest working and a really, really good coach. So anybody who yes. wants to see this guy work, you got to take advantage of it. Yeah. So if you're a young goalkeeper coach, you reach out to him. He would re- send right back to you. He was really uh, fantastic. I'm, I'm with you. All right, let's take it out. Uh, Cyber guy, CYBUR, Darren's podcast. Uh, Darren Mott's our producer, DJM Productions. Does a great job for us. Uh, you know, certainly please give us five stars. I saw an Apple iPod, Apple iTunes or whatever, which one it was. Uh, we had a bunch of uh, five stars, Chris, so that was good. Oh, uh, good but we, we love doing this, so uh, we appreciate any of those uh, hits you give us uh, reviews. Um, thanks again. Great show. We'll see you next week with the uh, with the families on. That should be a lot of fun. Again, um, download us, watch us, uh, College Soccer Nation. We appreciate it. Chris, see you next week. All right, man. If you have questions for Coach Petroselli or Coach Mott, you can reach them at cpetroselli at mail.smu.edu or mmott at olemiss.edu. College Soccer Nation is presented by DJM Productions and available on all your fine podcast outlets. Download it, give a review, tell a friend.